Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 11, titled The Boy Must Live. Alright, this episode, I'm gonna be honest, man. It's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot to get through. It is a lot to parse out. Like, my god. It's great. I love it. It's a a magnificent episode. But they really did just say, hey, let's put every single answer to every single question you've ever had about... The Observers, about September, about Michael, about the plan. Let's put every single answer to every single one of those questions all in one single hour of television while also having that same level of great storytelling and emotional resonance that we always have. Like They really just said that. like, And the result is this incredibly dense thing that I love watching, but... You guys know I gotta write notes during this, right? You guys know I gotta prep an episode of this podcast that now has to be five hours long, right? Like, it's just, it's overwhelming. No respect. No respect for my work. (laughs) No respect for my creativity, says the guy who's never made a high-concept science fiction series in his entire life. Anyway... Let's just get into this, because I'd rather not have this be (laughs) five years long. Uh, So, I want to start right off the bat by talking about this new Walter we have. Who is no longer plagued by the Walter that was uh, peeking back through. That is no longer a thing. Uh, When Michael touched him, he sort of gained this new perspective. Uh, Michael sort of shifted his perspective and sort of showed, in Walter's words, uh, showed him that everything he thought he knew as a great man could fit into a thimble. Sort of, sort of gained him this new perspective and this like more empathetic, more compassionate Walter sort of won out. And he sort of got more grounded. So the procedure to remove the pieces of his brain are no longer necessary. He can have the intelligence and the kind-heartedness at the same time. And also, like I said, he has memories of the original timeline. Uh, has memories of being with Peter and the timeline where September saved Peter. Uh, and Walter says, like, this sort of... This sort of made him love Peter more. And there's this, like, lovely moment uh, where Walter is, like, recounting all these things he remembers to Peter. And it's beautiful. It really, really is. Uh, I just wanted to kind of call attention to that new Walter because it is a thing of beauty. Uh, But anyway, we start this episode off and we have to find Donald. We have to find Donald. We know it's September now. uh, And Walter decides to go into the tank butt-ass naked. (laughs) I love the moment where Olivia opens the tank to say, like, Walter, are you ready? 
and, and then has to look away because Walter is once again naked. Which, by the way, this is the second time that Olivia has accidentally had to see Walter naked. I feel so bad for her. <laughs> Olivia's just trying to save the world. Olivia's just trying to live her life. And here's Walter just constantly just being naked and Olivia just constantly walks in on him being naked it's just it's a rough life (laughs) it's a rough life for Olivia Dunham (laughs) having multiple times accidentally seen Walter Bishop naked (laughs) oh god Uh, (laughs) uh but Walter gets in the tank uh, and sort of finds himself in this memory that the boy showed him, that Michael showed him, uh, of Donald in his apartment, of September in his apartment. Uh, Walter sort of gets all these little details, uh, stuff outside, the New York uh, skyline, the Empire State Building, a view of the Empire State Building, uh, a bridge that has since been destroyed, and we use all that information to sort of pinpoint about where Donald is. We search that area. Walter finds the window and is like, yeah, that's it. We find the apartment and we get a great reunion with September. September is back. He's got hair. He is human. And boy, does he have a lot of exposition to give us. Uh, (laughs) Boy, does he have a lot to catch us up to speed on. So... We'll go through these down the line in order of massive, massive importance. Uh, Least important to most important. First off, uh, so we find out what happened to September. Why he is human, what occurred to him, where he's been. Uh, And apparently, uh, shortly before the invasion, the observers captured him. For his constant interference in the timeline. And for his association with Fringe Division. So they captured him. And they removed his chip. And experimented on him. Using a process they called biological reversion. So they basically experimented on him to see if the tech could be reversed. They succeeded. September... Became a normal human. And then they just spat him back out in 2015. And we're like, hey. Like these humans so much? Live with them under our feet, basically. Just like this big power move on the part of the observers. Which, actually, September didn't really see that as much of a punishment. Because he always held this era in the highest regard. And then afterwards, he sort of struck up this friendship with Walter. And Walter just kind of helped him transition into being human um he got his name donald from when he and walter watched singing in the rain together uh and that is what happened and then of course like they worked on the plan together and all that we also finally learn the origins of the observers uh so apparently in 2167 a scientist in norway i believe it was made a discovery that he could override the portion of the brain 
that power is jealousy and put in like more logical thought. And that sort of started humanity on the path of this controlled evolution. And one by one, they started removing all of these negative emotions. Removing all these emotions. Removing all these emotions. Systematically, one by one by one, uh, for more and more and more and more and more logic. And then, once enough emotions were removed, humanity lost an entire appreciation of emotions. Good or bad. And so they started to remove the positive emotions as well. And then when eventually they got to love, they started growing human beings in a tank. That's how observers reproduce. Is they grow them in a tank. And uh, they just get biological uh, donations from designated donors. And so they basically, observers are test tube babies, essentially. Observers are flat out test tube babies. And so, that's what observers are. These literal, they might as well be machines. That literally have been a victim of just a slippery slope of removing emotions. Now this brings us to who Michael is. Or rather, what Michael is. So, Michael is a genetic anomaly. Who they kind of stopped maturation on when they figured out what was happening, what was developing. Uh, He basically had what they considered to be a defect, but was really just greater than them. Uh, He had a higher intellect than any of the observers, which basically means he has the highest intellect of any form of humanity, the most powerful brain in the entire history of humanity, and on top of that, he also has emotions. So his empathic abilities, uh, his abilities to sort of make people see other timelines, his abilities to sort of, like, put everything in perspective that we've seen Don Walter. Like, everything he has done and everything he has seen, these connections he's made, these abilities he's shown off was a product of higher intellect than observers plus emotions. And this is a, a, a leap forward, the next step in human evolution beyond observers. And not only that, but turns out the designated donor was September. Yup, September is Michael's dad. Michael is September's son. And apparently, when September was observing the the humans of the past, he saw how fathers treat their sons, how fathers love their sons. And this struck a chord with him. With Michael, and he did not want Michael to be terminated the way all genetic anomalies are terminated. So he went to the future, stole Michael, and hid him in the past, which is uh, how we got that kid in the tunnels thing all the way back in season one. He hid Michael in those tunnels in the past to keep him safe. 
And it wasn't until right as his chip was being removed that he started to realize exactly what Michael was capable of. Exactly. Uh, how important Michael was. It wasn't until then that he realized exactly how vital to the future Michael was. And that is when the plan started to take shape. Here is the plan. This is the moment you've all been waiting for. We finally know what the plan is. The plan is for Michael to be sent into the future to that day on 2167. Everything we have collected so far, the stones, the physics, uh, the magnet, the beacons, all of it, that has all been in service of creating this device to transport Michael into the future and get him to those scientists in 2167. And when they see what Michael is, when Michael demonstrates his abilities, and when they study him, they will figure out all he is, all he can be, and all he can be for humanity. And so it'll basically provide them an alternate path of controlled evolution to go down. It'll provide them an alternate path of evolution to go down. It'll show that they don't have to sacrifice emotions for higher thought. They can have both. And so, the observers would never exist. And by extension, they would never invade. Now, here's the big thing. Here's the big emotional headline. And Olivia points this out right away. Observers no invade. Olivia and Peter get their daughter back. Etta is not entirely lost. Nor is anyone who has died this season or any, like, tragedy that has befallen anyone this season. Like, all of them could still, like, end this out alive if we defeat the Observers. If we send Michael to that future. And if we create that world where they don't invade. They're basically going to reset time. And that is the plan. That is what we're doing here. Now, we still have some tech from the future that needs to be uh, acquired, sort of needs to be found. Uh, September's got a bunch in a storage unit uh, somewhere in the city, so we're going to get that. And so... Fringe Division and Michael and September all go do that. While this is happening, by the way, Winmark has been reporting to the future. We finally get to see a little bit of 2609, by the way. Uh, goes to the future, reports to Commander, uh, starts, like, kind of tracking down September, finds out everything about 
this anomaly. We, by the way, figure out that Winmark is experiencing some form of obsession over the idea of killing Fringe Division. Like, sort of how September has kind of learned, had kind of learned this, this appreciation for humanity, this form of fatherly love, uh, sort of like August, uh, learned, like, how to love this one woman he captured, uh, this one woman whose life he saved by capturing her, uh, way back in season two, like, sort of the way those observers absorbed, like, this form of love, Winmark has sort of absorbed basically a bloodlust. Winmark has a bloodlust now. He wants the Fringe Division just flat out murdered. In fact, he actually requests to go back in time and kill them before they become insurgents. So... Yeah. There's that. There's that. And eventually, he is able to track September down to his apartment. Where he finds uh, the tracer that was put on him taken out. He finds some jazz music. And uh, one more tiny thing. What was it? He finds a little inconsequential, like, nothing object. What was it? What was it? Oh, yeah, an antimatter bomb that goes off just before he can get out. And, yeah, there's that. Uh, But they go, they uh, search for this future tech. And Walter and Donald, while they're finding this stuff, have a bit of a conversation. Turns out, first off, turns out, remember all those years ago, back in the simpler, simpler times, when September pulled Peter out of Raiden Lake and told Walter, the boy's important, he has to live. We assumed he was talking about Peter. Turns out, no! He was telling Walter that Michael is important. Michael has to live. He was not talking about Walter's son. He was talking about his own. So, uh, wow. September was, uh, was thinking about rebelling even then. Was having this rebellious streak even then. And he went up to... Basically, this is what September did. He found a son... uh, He found a father absolutely 100% dedicated to his son. Enough so to destroy two universes. And said, this is a guy who gets it. This is a guy who understands uh, being entirely 100% consumed with protecting your son. I am going to tell him. I'm going to give him this warning of protect my son. And of course, Walter did not connect the dots there. He didn't have enough information. This is sort of like 
observer vagueness sort of dealing him a death blow there. But, like, this is kind of what happened in September's mind. But it, it just sort of recontextualizes everything September's done throughout this entire series. It recontextualizes Everything, knowing that that first moment where Walter first met September had this extra layer to it that we didn't even think about. We didn't even think to think about. It's, it's great. It, it, it's so good. And it, like, just, like I said, it recontextualizes so much of this series so freaking perfectly. It's amazing. It's absolutely Amazing. Walter also reveals to Donald something he did not tell everyone else, but apparently when Michael touched him, Michael also showed him that in order for the plan to work, Walter has to sacrifice himself. I'm sorry, what? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, what? 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 Um, so yeah, Walter is going to have to sacrifice himself. Uh, apparently, back when the plan was first being pitched, Walter jumped at the chance to sacrifice himself, saying this would redeem him for all the damage he's caused. He could finally atone. And then Donald says, like, hey, from the original timeline... Do you remember getting a white tulip? And he does. This is the white tulip that at the time he thought was a sign of God, but really was from uh, Alistair Peck. And Donald is like, hey, listen, this white tulip, it gave you strength before. It gave you this sense of hope and absolution before. And you needed that again. You needed that. Uh, so I went in and I retrieved it from the other timeline and I kept it. Uh, I gave that back to you because you needed it. And of course, the white tulip's not there. We don't know what Walter did with it back in 2015. We don't know what occurred with that white tulip. But it's somewhere. It's somewhere. Uh, but they get this future tech. And Donald goes off on his own. He says he has some other things to do. We don't know what those other things are. So Fringe Division and Michael sort of start to go back to the lab. And fortunately, when Mark's tracked them to that area, and there are check there are checkpoints, like, basically all around them. And the only way for them to get out, the way Astrid figures it, the way Astrid is able to figure out is through the monorail. That's their only chance that is the only hole in which they possibly have any chance. So, you get this really tense, really well done sequence of them, like, dodging loyalists, dodging observers, trying to get through this monorail. Uh, Olivia and Michael split from Peter and Walter. They have those two groups, and they try to get to the monorail, catch the monorail, get to the monorail. And, it, like, it's tense. It's pins and needles stuff. They finally get to the monorail. Loyalists are about to search the car that Michael and Olivia are in. And Michael, just before the loyalists start searching, just runs off the train. And gets himself captured by loyalists. 
as the monorail leaves. So, Michael is now in the hands of the Loyalists, in the hands of Winmark. Literally, the key component of the plan is lost. We gotta get Michael back. Immediately. And that's where the episode ends. A reminder, we only have two episodes left in the entire series. Like, we're in race... Like, we really are in race to the finish territory. And, uh... Oh boy! Those last two episodes. They're something. They they do stuff. Uh... Get ready. <laughs> you are not prepared for those last two episodes. Trust me. I thought I was. First time watching it. I was not. Anyway... Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archive so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark for just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, tomorrow we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 12. Talk to you then.